0: This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 713.
1: When I showed up to the Blues, they said, Gucci, we're glad you're here. And then they took me on a demo ride and they blew my mind. We took off, and you said it's majestic, right? Can you imagine being in that cockpit where you take off four jets on the runway, pilot does this violent left-wing down, where it's tucked in underneath the afterburners of the airplane in front of you. There's metal all around you. The flames are coming out. The airplane's shaking. These guys start going straight up. My eyes got this big. I'm a Navy tactical fighter pilot. I've been off aircraft carriers. I got 500 carrier landings, and this blew my mind. And the thought that hit me
0: was, how am I going to do this? What's going on, everyone? This is David Green, your host of the bigger pockets podcast, the biggest, the best, the baddest real estate podcast in the world here today with a fire episode for you that I guarantee you will leave feeling better about yourself, your life, and your future than you did before you listened to it. People pay lots of money to feel this good and you're getting it for free. In today's episode, my co-host Rob Abasolo and I interview John Foley, a former Blue Angels pilot, meaning he was one of the best of the best of the best in his profession. If you've ever seen Blue Angels fly, it is absolutely incredible. And John pulls back the curtain and tells us a lot about what he went through struggles he had times he failed and how he bounced back from that how he interpreted failures to become a bad ass at what he does and he is very passionate about you being able to experience the same thing which is why we love John and we're sure that you will too. Rob what were some of your favorite parts of today's show? Well,
2: first of all, we met like the real the real life Tom Cruise from Top Gun. I mean, this is just crazy. Like he was actually in that position. And he talks about, yeah, the the how he was able to join the Blue Angels, which is like the top like 1% of the top 1% of the of the top 1%. And uh it's just kind of crazy to to hear his story and and talk about the procedures and the processes that he put in place to become, you know, uh one of the most esteemed, awesome pilot, storied, historied pilot of all, you know, of of all time. The the Blue Angels is a very Just very prestigious organization to be a part of, so it's honestly like one of those things where I just I wish we could have a part too. We'll have to have him on because he's also a relatively established real estate investor too, which we didn't really get too much into that. We got into the actual philosophies of of developing a a good mindset.
0: I'm so inspired from this. I'm thinking about taking the top people from my mastermind and creating a group called the Green Angels. We'll have to see if that's something that I actually do.
2: What's better than low money down? No money down.
0: REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today.
2: Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentarretirement.com today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means. Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash biggerpockets for stress, free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to relayficom slash bigger pockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted.
0: Before we bring in John, today's quick tip is simple. John talks about gratitude and how powerful it is. And I wanna add, gratitude's probably the cleanest fuel you can possibly burn when it comes to motivating yourself. We all have different motivations and things that we want in life. They don't all burn cleanly. Sometimes there are negative side effects that come from the things that motivate us to hit financial freedom or wealth or whatever it is that we're looking for in life. So my challenge to you is to start every day to try to incorporate a little bit more gratitude into your life than what you had the day before. As you listen to the show, if you get all the way to the end, you will hear Rob talk about his secret to learning how to play the guitar 100% better every (laughs) single day than what it was when he started. You're not going to want to miss that. All right, without any further ado, let's bring in John. John Foley, aka Gucci, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. How are you today?
1: David, glad to be here. And those four words meant something special to me when I was a Blue Angel. And uh, I guarantee you by the end of this podcast, uh, your audience will understand what that means.
2: Well, before we get into the meaning of that, I really want to know the meaning of Gucci because that, that's, uh, that's your nickname, man. Can you give us a little bit of a background there?
1: Yeah, Rob. So um, it's actually more what we call a call sign. And uh, in, in the Navy, in fighter pilots, you get a call sign. Now, let me give you the first clue. You don't get to pick it. And if you like it, it doesn't stick, right? So no fighter pilot wants to be called Gucci, man. You want to be Hitman, Viper, Iceman, Maverick, you know, something cool. But do something stupid. And your teammates will remind you. Uh, and that's what happened to me. You know, I don't know if you knew this. I did some of the original flying in the, the first Top Gun movie. And uh, all my buds are doing the flying in this last one. Uh, so you get branded with the call sign. And uh, I did something stupid one day and Gucci stuck. <laughs> Can you tell us what that was? Yeah, well, it's close to looking at you in that shirt, man. So here's what happened, okay? I, I, I showed up. We're in Fallon, Nevada. That's where we were filming Top Gun. That's where we do all the strike um, stuff. and We go out, everything's looking pretty well. And they say, let's go out in the town. Let's go to Reno. So I'm meeting in the lobby of the, they call the BOQ. And uh, I show up wearing a thin black leather tie. Okay, that wasn't even cool in the 80s, right? And my teammates are all in jeans and t-shirts. And they look at me and they go, that's Gucci. And I flinched. And once you flinch, they know that they got you. Boom, it stuck. Now it didn't help. I was living on a sailboat and driving an Alfa Romeo at the time too.
2: Ah, I see. Yeah, I've learned this one the hard way. If you uh, try to deflect a, a nickname, yeah. it only makes it worse. You're basically just pouring gas on the fire.
1: Yeah, that's it. I've tried my whole career to change that, and it didn't work, right? And now it's now it's supposedly a, a cool thing to be Gucci, but I kind of tell you, when I was nailed that in the uh, mid-80s, it was not cool.
2: Awesome, man. Well, you were in Top Gun. I've got a bit of a confession here. I never actually saw Top Gun until about... A year ago, and I felt like I was conned. I was like, "How did no one tell me about? How did no one force me to watch this movie my whole life?" And then I just saw the the new Top Gun too. So already, instant fan, instant classic in my mind. I love it so much. What what was your role on on that movie? Were you an actual? Were you like uh, someone in the cast? Were you like a stunt double?
1: No. Okay. So so number one, definitely not in the cast. Those are called actors. Uh, we're the real deal. We were the real pilots doing the real flying. And um, there's no stunts in that movie. OK, it was you know, that's what you think about in Hollywood stunts uh, in in what you're seeing. And the reason the, the flying is so realistic is that's real stuff, man. That's us flying the jet. So to answer your question, I was just in the right place at the right time. I happen to be on the aircraft carriers called the Enterprise. It's 1986 we're off the coast of San Diego. Top Gun was filming in, down in Miramar, and they needed to get some carrier scenes. So they flew out to the aircraft carrier, and I just happened to be on the, on a squadron flying jets off the carrier, and that's when they were doing the, the the filming. So you remember that iconic first scene? I mean, if you remember how that movie started, they actually did it in Top Gun Maverick 2. You see myself, you see my teammates, taxiing up to the catapult. You see steam coming off the catapult. See my teammates all around me. They got this cool song, Danger Zone blasting. You salute the capital officer. They salute you back and bam, get launched off that carrier. Go from zero to 200 miles per hour in 1.8 seconds. So that was what I was doing. That was just my normal day. We didn't do anything fancy.
2: That's amazing, man. So give us a little bit about your background. We know that you're uh, an established uh, blue angel here, a bit, a bit of a uh, – I'm starstruck here as I as I go through this. Tell us how you got there and a little bit about your story.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I, you know, I think you got to get to know people before you even want to listen to what they have to say, right? So for me, I was born in Germany. My dad was an army officer. I love my dad. I love my mom, had a great family. Uh, And one day, you know, so I I was like, man, I want to be my dad. So he was an engineer and he was an army officer. And then one day he took me to an air show. I'll never forget this day, Rob. It was Newport, Rhode Island. I'm 12 years old. I look up in the sky. I see these six magnificent jets flying that day. And I turned to my dad and said, dad, I'm going to do that. You know, a 12 year old kid. I no idea how to get there. And I think this is good for real estate. It's good for investors. It's good for entrepreneurs. And that is you got to have a dream, right? But here's, here's the difference. I believe the dream has to hit you in the heart, not the head. Okay. And then you got to connect the dots because there's too many people that have unrealized dreams out there, right? Un- unrealized visions. So I learned this as a kid that, man, you got to have a plan. And guess what? You better have a couple backup plans because the first one's not going to work. I got rejected twice to join the military. They said I was not physically qualified. I have to be a military pilot if I'm going to fly for the Blues. Um, initially started flying jets off aircraft carriers a la movie Top Gun, uh, but then became an instructor pilot. Uh, and then one day I finally got selected for the Blue Angels. It took me 18 years from that initial dream be- to make it happen. And uh, and that, that just started back when I was in my early 30s, right? And then after that, uh, and we can dive into the blues, but I think what's more important is after that, I wanted to reinvent myself. You know, I, I heard this word entrepreneur and I was like, I can't even spell it, but it sounds pretty cool. And uh, ended up needing some education, went to Stanford Business School, got three master's degrees, worked in venture capital, right? During the, the boom and the bust, 2000, 2001, right? And when, I, I mean, boom, the whole, you know, the whole world blew up. And a question hit my mind. I was with the partners of that firm and I was like, how come? You know, how come, not that the bubble burst, but my how come question was, how come some people outperform others? How come some people can consistently win no matter what the conditions, whether it's market, whether it's COVID, whether it's increased interest rates, whether it's supply chain challenges, whether it's uh, a recession, you know, whether it's inflation. My point is some people learn how to overcome no matter what. And that's what I've been doing the last two decades is working with the best teams in the world. Sports teams, companies, Google, Microsoft. I'm with uh, Nick Saban and Alabama football. And I work with these teams into big high performance teams and how to turn them into business results.
2: Wow. Okay. So there's a, there's a lot I want to unpack here because it started, the dream actually started at a very young age. And you're like, that's going to be me one day. Do you, did you always know? like was it was there ever a doubt in your mind that that was going to
1: become a reality well there's lots of doubts along the path when you fail right and i had a ton of failures a ton of of uh setbacks but i will say that the dream this is why it's critical the dream was not in the head it was in the heart so whenever that stuff happened i connected back to my heart and i just said No, I can still do this. It's just going to take a different path. Give you an example. So I'm flying jets off aircraft carriers. I'm leading a strike. Um, I have a hung bomb. I got to jettison the hung bomb. I don't go through my checklist uh, like I'm supposed to. And I hit the the jettison button and I fire a heat-seeking missile by mistake. Okay, I almost shoot down my own teammate. And I'm like, holy crap. You know, in fact, actually, I was like, oh, Come back. Right. And uh, at that point, I was fortunate. You know, it it didn't it didn't hurt anybody, but it could have. Right. And, um, you know, I go into my commanding officer that day. I land on the jet and he said, what happened? I go, I blew it, sir. You know, I I told him the story that I, I didn't do my checklist like I was supposed to. I got switchology mixed up. And when I hit the jettison button, the missile went instead of the bomb. He goes, "Okay, thanks for telling me you're grounded. So I'm grounded now. Now, I had my letter into the Blue Angels. I was going to be an instructor pilot. All that went away. In fact, I wasn't sure they were going to let me keep flying. All right. Um, They have a board of inquiry and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And it took me three days to realize the root cause of that mishap. But you want to guess, what do you think the root cause of that mistake was?
2: A thousand switches in front of you?
1: (laughs) There were a ton of switches. Let me tell you, there's a ton.
0: Yeah, but you said you hit the right switch. You did what you meant to do. Nope, that's... You uh you mentioned that you thought you were jettisoning it. So
1: Well, I hit the jettison button.
0: Yeah, but it fired the missile, which meant there was something wrong with the checklist ahead of time. So I'm gonna guess you just got comfortable. You just thought like, man, I've done this a million times. You hit autopilot, you you didn't get it you didn't take it serious when you were getting ready.
1: Dude, David, you know, I've I've told that story over two thousand times. You're the first one that got it right off the bat. Yeah, it's it's complacency. Okay, man, I got too comfortable doing something. I shouldn't be comfortable doing. Let me tell you, the first time you fly live ordnance, the little hairs on, on your neck stand up, even your head with your bald head like me, you, those things, those stand up and they, they stop standing up because I was doing it day in and day out. And, uh, and I got too comfortable doing something I shouldn't be comfortable with. So I learned that lesson the hard way. All right. So here's the question. Everyone is listening. Where's your blind spot? Where are you too comfortable? Even the two of you—you you guys are cranking it. You got a kick-ass podcast going. You know we're investing. Um, this is a great opportunity for people. But where are you too comfortable? Um, do you have a process, a checklist? And that was the other thing—I didn't open up my checklist. I—I I, I thought I would do it from memory, and you don't do that, okay? You don't do that in these situations. So that's exactly it. Complacency kills. Now here's the good news: once I learned that. Um yeah I had to dig myself out of a hole. It was a big hole I, I They ripped up my letter to the blue angels. not even a chance right. I had to go reinvent myself. It took me years, but eventually uh, I got the shot again, and I made it work and so you know I think it's it's okay to make mistakes investing it's okay to make mistakes in life if you learn from them and not many people really learn from them.
2: do you feel like the punishment or not the punishment, but you know like the actual i guess getting grounded from uh, from the organization, was that tougher than the actual mental games that you had to sit through during that time? Because I imagine, you know, that being grounded is like, okay, I get it, right? But then actually having to sit with that and think through the the different scenarios, I, I imagine that that might have been probably just as like harder, right?
1: Man, okay, Rob, you're dead on. That that was embarrassing. I'll say not only harder, it was embarrassing. Because picture this. You're a pilot. You're on the aircraft carrier, right? There's only about 100 and so pilots on the carrier, 5,000 people. Um, And all of a sudden, you go from wearing a flight suit, and that's your day, to you're in a khaki uniform, all right? Um, All your buds know that you're grounded. Not only the buds in your squadron, but everyone in the air wing, you know? And then they give you the jobs, okay? I had to go uh, up into the tower, watch my buddies fly and land and 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 we're called like a, a rep in case there's an emergency, right? So not only uh, are you grounded, but that's the bigger thing. It's how, what's the mindset, right? Uh, and people don't even want to look at you. <laughs> you, ever noticed that? you walk down the, uh, the, uh, the the hallway, people know that there's a problem. So they kind of want to, they want to look away, right? Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a mental head game for sure. Uh, But I will say this. It's what I needed. And my commanding officer knew that. You see, if we if he had kept me flying and and everything would have been the same um, and I had done the the mishap board, which, you know, decides, okay, that's a pilot mistake. You know, they could ground you for life. They can pull your wings. Um, They didn't. okay, And, And I was only grounded for three days because that's what it took me to realize what you just said. Right. And once you realize that now the next thing happens is you got to get your butt back in the game because now you got to overcome that fear and doubt that is uh, in your mind.
2: Okay, So was this the moment that I mean, obviously, you you recognized the complacency aspect, but was this like immediate? You're like, okay, here it is. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to create my checklist and my processes. What was sort of the next big uh, turning point for you?
1: Yeah. So the big aha was it took three days. Initially, I'm blaming it on stuff that wasn't the root cause. It's nominal cause. So I didn't break out my checklist. I could easily say, okay, next time I'll use my checklist. Did I get the switchology mixed up? You know, you're right. There's 126 switches. Did I mess one up? Yeah. Can I fix that? Yeah. But that's not the root cause. See. So at, after three days, when I realized that it was it was getting too comfortable, then that was an aha moment. When you have these light bulb moments, it's it's like. Okay, but now it takes a long time to dig yourself out of that hole. So I had to go back to the basics, go back to doing my checklist, go back to um, just being, um, you know, executing on the small things. And uh, I was actually flying off the airplanes again. I wasn't leading strikes. I'm working my way back up. And uh, one of the uh, LSOs, the landing signal officers, those are the people who bring you aboard the ship. The head guy for the whole air wing looks at me, he goes, Gucci, uh, this took about two weeks. He goes, how's it going? his name was Filthy and I go Filthy what do you mean how it's going it sucks you know I mean what do you think you know and he goes okay he says well I know you're going through a bunch of he goes uh how would you like to uh, become an instructor pilot in f-18s and I looked at him I was flying a7s at the time and f-14s I said what do you mean instructor pilot in f-18s that's like the holy grail right besides the blue angels and uh and I said "I I would love that but what are you talking about He goes, well, how would you also like to live in El Toro, California, which is Dana Point? All right. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Because, you know, Miramar is a cool place to live down in San Diego. I said, I would love that. I said, but there's no Navy jobs there. He goes, no, you're right. The Marines have a base. They're standing up an F-18 squadron. They need one LSO. You're the guy if you want it. I was like, holy crap. My whole dream Went full circle, so I got the job, and uh, you know I had to re reestablish myself, which I did, and then I reapplied to the Blues, and everything worked out. So, you know, it took it took a while, but um, the aha moment was there, and then you got to dig out, and you got to have process, you got to have procedures, but more importantly, keep your belief levels high, keep your mindset high, don't let go of your goal.
0: So I have got a question for you. This is clearly a pivoting point in your life. Like of all the stories you can tell, this is what you opened with. Now, obviously, this story could have gone a horribly worse direction where it could be I killed one of my friends, right? Like, and who knows what kind of consequences can have come from, like, if there could have been prison time, right? Like, this story could have been. I was labeled a criminal. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to insinuate that that's the case, right? This is the way things get spun when they, I hit the wrong button <laughs> turns into I'm a murderer, right? Luckily, that wasn't the way that things went down for you. So you have this like renewed lease where now you get to, uh, like, you have a new shot at life, but it was very impactful with the way that it changed how you're thinking. What I, what it made me think about was we, we don't always remember our wins. Especially when you're a high performer, which you you clearly are. You're trying to be a Blue Angel, right? We expect to win. We remember the losses. You hear this from really good poker players. They remember the hand that they lost that they should have won. They don't remember all the times it went well. You hear this from golfers. They remember the putt they missed or the shot that they shanked. They don't remember the ones that they did perfectly. There's something about life where the losses that sting the worst can either destroy us, like the hypothetical example I gave before, or can absolutely strengthen us and help us to uh, hit levels that we never would have thought. So like that one experience impacted you. I don't want to say scarred you, but it was like such a monumental impact that complacency is now your sworn enemy for life. You're not going to be caught complacent. We would hear stories of this in law enforcement that were just horrendous because you get used to carrying around a weapon all the time. And you'd hear about someone shows up to a training and the, the staff, the instruction staff doesn't check their weapon or doesn't check it good enough. And the person just out of habit, they show up, they take all the rounds out of their rifle. They put dummy rounds or whatever, and they've done it so many times you get complacent. And there are horrible stories of someone showing up to a training and actually firing a live round at one of the role players or something that are just like sickening. But like you said, it's always complacency Like it's such a small thing that could have been done to stop it. Complacency is this, like evil spirit that gets in your head and tells you like, you don't have to do that. The rules don't apply to you. You're better than that. Like it's almost a form of arrogance. Right. And I would, I've caught it many times in my life where you're driving to a call code three and you're yeah. And you're just in your head. You're like, Oh, this is no big deal. It is a big deal, right? You got to like push that stuff out and get right back in. But like you said, ego is the enemy in that case. I'm you tell the story and it's a really good impactful story, but I'm curious, like when you were in that tower, And you had to think about how embarrassing it was. People don't want to talk to you. There's obviously your own moral guilt of like, I can't believe I fired a missile at somebody. Do I even deserve to be a power? All those thoughts got to be going through your head, right? How did you make sure that you didn't take the road of despair that so many people can go into when they make their first mistake? Their property doesn't work out or uh, something goes wrong with whatever their endeavor was. And they interpret like, I see, I knew it. God doesn't want me to do this. If he did, I wouldn't have made that mistake. How did you strengthen your results to say, "I'm going to come back and be better"?
1: Yeah, so I think David. By the way, great analogies you're, you're giving. Um, I would just add, not only you know a police officer and me, that's life and death. But hey, man, it, it's little things like texting while you're driving. Okay, we all know that's not supposed to do it. But you know,
0: mm. oh, that's yeah. a good one.
1: I do it yeah. sometimes, and my wife it pisses her off so much. She goes, "Come on!" and uh, and I can rationalize it. Oh, I can multitask all this crap, right? So the bottom line is, it's it's not just life and death. It's small stuff, right? Um, that can make a big difference. So to answer your question, though, um, you need a process. You need a system. You need a framework that helps you out of these difficult times. It's not enough just to say. Oh, you know, okay, I figured it out. I made a mistake and I'm back in the game. No, you better have a solid process. So, for me, it's what I learned in the military and what really became extremely powerful on the Blue Angels is this idea of what I call a cadence of execution. It's this idea of briefing, be prepared before you go flying. Did I brief that day? Absolutely. Was I prepared? Yes. When you're executing, though, you got to realize that things change, okay, and that's one thing that's that we you can find out very quickly in fighter pilots uh, why someone's you know uh, uh, adapts to that is you got to adapt airborne. I don't care what the scenario is; the minute you get airborne, things change. Same thing in real estate. So, can you adapt to a market which is changing all the time, right? And but here's the secret. I'll give you a secret right now. None of that's gonna gonna make the the game changer. The game changer is what I call a debrief or a glad to be your debrief. We learn how to do that in the military. You always debrief a mission. You always are constantly, the minute you land, you go back and you reflect on what went well, what could have gone better, and you take responsibility, and this is the key, you take personal responsibility for the outcome. You don't blame it on your teammates. You don't point fingers at somebody else, and we do that religiously. So I have that ingrained in my process that I'm debriefing Every event, like we'll debrief this this podcast, all right. I want to know. Hey, what could what went well, but more importantly, what could have gone better? So I'm constantly in this feedback loop. And then when you get to the blue angels, and we can dive deeper on this if you want, they take that debrief to a whole new level. They take this thing, what I call glad to be here, debrief, where you're not only going over the event, you're reinforcing the why. Why are you doing this? the appreciation, the gratitude. So when I when I landed my jet on the Blue Angels, did I have a lot of little things I could have done better? Absolutely. Because when you're pushing the limits, the limits push back. So you can feel that, right? Um, but the appreciation and gratitude is what gets you through it. And you need both.
2: Okay. So yeah, I would actually love to dive into that because uh, I, I, I'm always so fascinated. I've seen many Blue Angel um shows. Actually I used to work in Huntington Beach for four nice.
1: years. So. I'm going there in a couple of months to speak with an organization. And were you there last year? Because the blues were um were part of a, a really unique show there, right off the pier.
2: Mm, I was not. I was in Tennessee. But I did catch like, yeah, probably four shows in my in my time there. And there's a level of synchronization and coordination and choreography and orchestration. It's it's really quite uh Majestic is like the best way to put it, and so I've always wondered. I mean, you're coming from the military background. Is the Blue Angels a more difficult endeavor, or is it just a different kind of difficulty than you might encounter, like you know, in your in your military missions? I gotta imagine they're just very uh, different kinds of difficult.
1: Yeah, they're different, but it takes it to a whole new level. It's a, it's the one-tenth of one-tenth of one percent that get to do the Blue Angels. So if you remember how Mavericks started in the movie and Top Gun, there was a scroll and it said there's this thing called Navy Fighter Weapons School. It's the top one percent of all fighter pilots, uh, you know, and the pilots call it Top Gun. OK, the reason they did that is they were setting the tone. That's right. That's the top 1% of fighter pilots. The Blue Angels are the top one-tenth of one-tenth of 1%, right? Now, here's, here's your, to, your, to your question. In a flying skills, um, stick and throttle, we call it, you have to raise your game to an un, unforeseen level, uh, uh, 300% improvement in 90 days when i showed up to the blues they said gucci we're glad you're here and then they took me on a demo ride and they blew my mind we took off and you said it's majestic right can you imagine being in that cockpit where you take off four jets on the runway pilot does this violent left wing down where it's tucked in underneath the afterburners of the airplane in front of you there's metal all around you the flames are coming out the airplane's shaking these guys start going straight up my eyes got this big I'm a Navy tactical fighter pilot. I've been off aircraft carriers. I got 500 carrier landings. And this blew my mind. And the thought that hit me was, how am I going to do this? Because what they were showing me was, this is a whole new level. This is a whole new league. And they're saying, if you want to play in this league, do you want to play in this league, Gucci, then you got to raise your performance 300% in 90 days. And now here's the good news. There's a process to do that. There's a way to take people, not not just me. We do this with three pilots every year. They go through that process and they get to that level. So, so to answer your question is um, in a flying ways, it doesn't get any, any harder or any, any better. But tactically now, it's a total different game. Okay, when you're flying tactically off the carriers, when you're going to Top Gun, it's not stick and throttle. It's weapon system management. It's understanding the situational awareness. That's a whole different level of expertise. So we take people who are already good at that. And then we say, let's now improve your flying skills, 300%.
0: Yeah, that this is such a powerful message, particularly for anybody that hasn't yet in life pushed themselves into a point where they were trying to be elite at something, which I would think is probably the majority of people in America. We have a very comfortable life. And that's not meant as a slight towards people who have a harder life than other Americans, but... If you compare us to a human being 6,000 years ago or someone now living in another country, our life is comparatively more comfortable than other people's, where the human body and the brain was really designed to operate not in a perfectly nerfed world where things don't go wrong. And I remember experiencing this for the first time at something as simple as going from the freshman basketball team to playing with the varsity. I got asked to play with varsity when I was a sophomore, and the speed of the game was so nice. freaking fast. Thank you for that. Yes. It was wild how fast it was, right? Like, I had these habits where I would be dribbling and you'd get a defender to commit to you and you'd pick up your pass and you'd fake it to one side and he'd go that way and you'd pass it to the other guy. It was like bread and butter so easy. And then I got to varsity and the guy would pretend like he committed to one defender and then jump back and I'd pick up my dribble and go to pass it to the other guy and he'd intercept the pass. And I'm like, they could do that. Or you'd come down with the rebound, they'd hit it out of your hands. Like, when did that, was that a thing that would happen or they'd steal the ball from behind you? There were all these things that I never had to think about playing with lower competition, but I never had to consciously figure out that problem. My brain told me, be careful. You don't know where the guy is. He's probably behind you. Or when you grab that ball, hold it really strong. Like your mind adapts to the struggle you're in. It's what I guess I loved about the point you were at was we often personalize. I am the problem. I am not good at this. I should quit where what you're saying is, the problem is my lack of preparation. The problem is my lack of exposure to trying to play at the highest level. The problem is my complacency. It is not me. I am not those things. Those are habits that I have or values that I hold that can be improved. And that little tiny shift in blame is the difference between I should quit this, I shouldn't do it, I'm not good enough, I knew I wasn't good enough, remember I was never good enough for my mom, well now it's being validated and all that stuff goes through your mind versus I can do better. Let me get in there again. Let, if they give me another shot, I'll get better at it, right? And that's what we want the listeners to hear because real estate investing is daunting. You can screw up. In fact, you will screw up and it's impossible not to screw up. It's You can't play the perfect game in a sport. You can't have the perfect investment. Something always goes less than ideal. And if you interpret it as I'm the problem, You won't buy real estate, you'll be lulled into other things like investing into multi-level marketing schemes or pyramid schemes or cryptocurrency or like whatever the new trend is. If you say my inexperience was the problem, my lack of awareness was the problem, my ignorance was the problem. There's something that can be done to correct that. And I and I'm really, as you tell the story, I'm like, this is a great example of a person who just for whatever reason you attributed the problem not to you as a human being, but your lack of preparation. And you always were like, I could do better. I mean, am I way off with, with my understanding of this? your story so far?
1: Man, David, you nailed it. Okay. And I think the, the analogy back to investing is really critical, right? And that is, um, it, it's you got to surround yourself with people who you want to be like, okay? So when I got selected for the Blue Angels, I realized I needed up my game. But guess what? Because I'm around people who knew how to do it, and they decided to mentor me. They coached me just like you guys are doing. The reason this podcast is so useful to people is we're gaining knowledge and tools of people who have done it at a high level, right? So that's the number one thing is continually push, you know, have that drive. And that's why when I said the dream has to hit you in the heart, Have the drive to improve every day, just a little bit. It doesn't mean I'm not going to screw up. In fact, you know, if if you're really self-aware, you've made a lot of mistakes, right? And that's fine, right? What I want to do, though, is have a process and more importantly, a mindset. What you're getting to, David, is exactly right. What's the mindset? Am Am I in my lizard brain and am I operating out of fear, okay? Or am I in my adult and I'm actually operating out of opportunity, you know the RAS, you know reticular activating system. It's only thing, two things are going to get through: a threat or opportunity. When you see that, you're going to react. Do you realize that every time I snap my fingers here, 65, you get 65 chances to make a decision. That's the amount of impulses that are coming through your eyeball. So it's it's what we call the gap, the gap between the stimulus and the response. And it's in that gap that you make your decisions. It's in that gap that you either go down the rabbit hole or you or you reset and you spiral up and there's a way to focus your mind. There's a way to train the mind. Um, I do meditation. I do visualization. I, I have lots of things. When I'm working with Team Penske and we're winning the Indy 500, it's about mindset. They already got the processes down. This is great teamwork, right? But it's the mindset that makes you an Indy 500 champion. It's the mindset that makes you a national champion and not just to get there, but then the harder part is sustaining excellence. And that's what I work on with companies and people. How do you sustain excellence under change? This show
2: is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, It might just change your life, just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash/host. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is gonna be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally. Hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafecom pockets. There's no safe like Safe. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Yeah, this is a really—I I don't think people are like grasping how mind-blowing this is because I always think about when you're trying to get better. It gets really—it gets hard to get better at a certain point, right? Like when I was learning guitar, when I was in the seventh grade, picked up a guitar, and my goal was, can I get a hundred percent better? And it was like, okay, cool. Next day. I got 100 percent better. and then the next day I could get 100 percent better. But then it got to the point where then I was like, can I become 50 percent better in a month? And then can I get 20 percent better in a year? And so at a certain point, getting one percent better becomes extremely difficult. And you're talking about, you know, uh, the, not just the military, but blue angels, where you're like, okay, these guys are coming in and we're trying to get them to become 300 percent better. You're trying to get the greatest pilots. In history, arguably, to become three hundred percent better, and that to me, I don't, I can't even grasp that. But you mentioned that there's a, a process for this, so I'd love to hear what what does that look like because it, in my mind, it seems impossible.
1: Yeah, no, good, good, good question. I love the the idea that about this mindset of continuous improvement. I, I would like to add this: what what I've instilled in my mindset is the process of 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 getting better, this continuous improvement, not the outcome. You see, if you put a goal out there and and once you hit that goal, that's too late, man. You got to reset yourself before you hit that goal. So the point is I'm constantly in this process of getting better, continuous improvement. And by the way, not just myself, but value to the client. Value to the people who are listening here, right? Value to your, your families. See, what we're talking about is not just business, all right? It's your mindset of how you approach life. And, and I like to approach life with what I call joyful effort. So effort's not enough, we can talk about that, but, we, but you have to add this glad to be here and there, this joy, and to do that, you gotta own the outcome and you gotta give it all you've got, right? If you try to, to shed that on somebody else and you don't take that personal responsibility, you're not going to learn. And you're and uh, you know, you just better hope you get another challenge that you can you can tackle. But back to the process. So uh, I'll, I'll, Blue Angels, I'll give you an example. Um, when you join the Blue Angels first for six weeks, you have no job. OK, we actually the selection process is you get selected. All you do is observe. And you get to sit in on the briefs and the debriefs. And this stuff is, is gold. In fact, if anyone wants to see some of this, they can just go to my website, uh, johnfoleyinc.com. And I've got tons of video of, of what I talk about, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. But the point is, you get to observe how we go about process, focus, this visualization process, how we're, we're going through our checkpoints. We know what our center point is. That's the single point of focus. We, we have flight lines with one mile, two mile, three mile checkpoints. So just milestones in a business plan, but the milestone is not, Hey, the two mile checkpoint is going to be this white house. No, the milestone is two mile checkpoint, Northeast corner, two story white house, upper window with the green shade. See see when I said that you see your level of clarity. Okay. That's I can actually see the green shade of a window flying upside down a hundred feet off the ground at 500 knots. If I know what I'm looking for, If I don't know what I'm looking for, it's a blur. Same thing in investing, same thing in life, right? So you pick up these cues. Then you better have a process of somebody who's helping to coach you and mentor you. So for the next 90 days, I'm going through 120 training flights. We go back to basics. You're right. We do take pilots who are highly skilled at that point, and we break them down and say, "Okay, let's go back to basics. Let's just get in sync. Turning the smoke on, the smoke off. Then let's get in sync where where we get our checkpoints. I have 20 seconds to go from 6,000 feet down to 200 feet, and I got to be on time, on altitude, on airspeed. So th- this to you know to move forward is there's 120 training flights. I'm getting better every day. I film these, I look at them. I, I ask, here's the critical part, not the flight, it's what you learn from it, okay? And I also wanna learn what's going well because we wanna double down on what's going well, okay? I don't wanna just focus on mistakes, right? Double down on what's going well and uh, then three things. I'll leave you with three things that, that have to happen in every investor in every high performance community. You gotta connect, you gotta align, you gotta commit. It's that simple, I'll say it again. Human beings, we need to connect, all right? You and I, three of us right here, we're connecting at a different level than we were before we started this podcast, right? Then we got to align. So you got to make sure you're all headed in the same direction. What is the goal? And then there has to be a commitment. And this is where most people fall short. It's what level of commitment. When I climbed into that cockpit, I was committing my life. I was willing to give my life for my teammate. But guess what? Not just me, everybody, everybody, everybody. You're surrounded by people who have this level of commitment. And when you're surrounded by that kind, you don't want to let somebody else down. And you'll do anything in your power not to let your teammate down. And that's the glad to be here mindset.
2: To me, the, what you said about not having a clear target, because there, there becomes this point where you become so good at, at something, right? Where you now have a lot of options. You're like, I'm good at this. Here are all the different angles I can take. And I'll probably be successful at all those different angles because I'm good at what I do, right? And I think real estate is real estate investing is very much like this, where if you become a seasoned investor, you understand the concepts, you're crushing it in your portfolio. You know, for me, I started out in short-term rentals. Now I'm kind of like, oh, uh, there's sub-two, and then there's wholesaling, and there's multifamily, and there's syndication. But it's really hard to to start to like without that clear target, right? Without that clear goal to to truly keep growing because I was at this point a couple of months ago where it's a bit of a the cheesecake factory of options for me, right? Where I'm like, I want to do it all. But without really having that clear single goal to guide you, I, I can totally uh, relate to that because it wasn't until recently where I started really refining those goals and just trying to figure out what is like the... If I can just keep shaving down my goals to that one finite goal, what is it that I want? and i haven't i haven't figured it out yet but i'm really close right i'm still shaving it down to that one thing and the closer i get to it the closer i get to sort of having the clarity on what exactly i need to do
1: okay rob so i'm going to give you a little tip here okay number 1 you're on it All right. You got to know what do I want? And that's a hard question for some people. Okay, like it was easy for me when I saw the Blue Angels. I knew what that looked like. I knew what it felt like. I mean, I I could feel it. So so I knew what I wanted. That's hard in life. Right. A lot of people don't know what they want. But here's even a more powerful question. Your why? I want to know why you want it. Okay, I want to know why that I wanted to be a blue angel. Was it so that I could fly upside down hundred feet, you know, around San Francisco? Was it so I could set car alarms off? Cause I did, you know, was it that I could go to Moscow and fly against the Russians, which I did? Was it cause I did all that stuff? No, the reason I want to be a blue angel and the purpose of the blue angels is we call ourselves ambassadors of goodwill. I want to inspire greatness in another human being. If I can do that through flying, great. That's not what my job was to be a pilot. My job was to inspire greatness. And when I'm holding a little girl in my arm after an air show and I've lost six pounds of sweat in 37 minutes because that's what the G-forces do to you, okay? I'm sitting there going, I'm tired, okay? Uh, Was it exciting? Absolutely. Uh, Am I worried about the debrief? Sometimes, sometimes I'm not. Um, But all you have to do is look in in the eyes of a little kid and bingo you know, you realize why you're doing it. So all my, my only question to you is what's the why behind what I want. And when you can align those two things, now you got some real power.
2: So do you feel like the, is it like a, am I trying to figure out, uh, what I want and then why do I want it? Or am I trying to figure out why I want all these things that I, uh, that I want. You know, sorry, I, that might be a weird question, but is it like, yeah, is it, am I trying to get to that why as fast as possible?
1: Well, I, I don't think, you know, whenever you ask a question like this, that's a dualistic answer. That's, it's either A or B. Anytime I get that kind of thing, um, I realize that uh, I've got limited thinking. It's not dualistic, okay? It's not either the what first or the why first. You got to have a third option, you got to have a way to grow it. So, to answer your question is, I think it's both. Okay. I mean, some people want to figure out their what first and then their why. Others will say, no, I need to know my why and then the what. Uh, Whatever works for you. Okay. Um, I I think that what's critical here, though, is knowing that the world is coming from us, not at us.
2: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense.
1: I'll say that again, though, because it's really powerful for the listeners. The world's coming from you, not at you. So if all I'm doing is responding and I feel like this whole world is coming at me, then I've I'm, I got a problem because I'm, I'm reacting. OK, what I want to do is I want to realize that I can plant the seeds. It's coming from me. OK, so give you an example that, that, that will help you do this. Knife edge pass, thumper, knife, goal, come at each other a thousand miles per hour closer, cross within a wingspan. All right, That's if we miss by one second, it'll be two football fields and we wanna come within a wingspan, right? So that's our objective. So I'm very clear on what my objective is, all right? So how do we do it? You better have a plan. So my plan was simple. I told Thumper that day and I call these by the way, verbal and nonverbal agreements, commitments. I said, thumper, I'll be on the flight line. I won't be five foot left or five foot right. Flight line's not the runway. It's the inboard edge of a left painter stripe on the runway. You can count on me. You can trust me that that's where I'll be. I'll set the altitude. I'll make the timing corrections. I'll give you the command to execute a full stick deflection roll. You, my teammate, have one job. Miss me? Okay, it's the biggest game of chicken you ever played. But it wasn't a game. It wasn't chicken because we had very clear expectations and then contracts on what it looks like to do this. So the the idea that I, I brought that up is trust matters, process matters. Okay. This ability to make this clarity matters. And the last thing I'll share, because I think you guys hit on it is you have to have the ability to focus down and open up. It's called awareness. Okay. So awareness is two pieces. There's an internal awareness and an external awareness is one way you can look at it. What I call it is situational awareness. So as I'm coming at Thumper at a thousand miles power closure, I'm looking out there. I got to have my visor up because I, I mean, split seconds matter. Where's his nose position? Where is he? What else is that? Okay. So I'm focused down at the exact moment. I got to open up and I got to say, wait a minute. I don't want to hit a sailboat mass as I'm coming in. So it's open. It's, it's focused down, open up, focused down, open up. And that's investing. Okay. I got to understand the market. I got to I got to open up understand what changes then I got to focus down on what you said do I have a specific goal do I know what I'm going to bingo open up again because guess what but th- in that split second things have changed so I I've, I've trained my brain to do this really quickly here's the good news you can do it too Every human being can do this. It's natural. It's the way we perceive information. So if you want to focus on your problems, you want to focus on your challenges, you're going to have more of those. If you want to focus on joyful effort, you want to focus on giving back first. That's one of my other things is it learn, grow, give every day. But but my, I want to give first and give often. So just being on your podcast, this is a gift. You know, I thank you for what you guys do. But I want to give first. And then if you provide value, something good will happen. So that's, that's the way I kind of see what you just said.
2: Yeah, that makes total sense. Well, I want to kind of go back to, to the, the phrase here on your shirt, the glad to be here. I mean, you, you, we've talked about it. We have a general understanding about it, but could you just debrief us, debrief us on the, on the concept and what it means to, to the Blue Angels organization, what it means to you?
1: So the first time I heard that was my mom. Okay. But, uh, but it was, it was said in, in just, you know, family situations and then, um, when I was on the Blue Angels, you um, when you're applying for the Blue Angels and you're not a Blue Angel yet, they'll let you sit in on the briefs. It once you you know get to that level, and you get to see how they prepare, which is what we have mentioned earlier. David is at a whole new level, okay, which is great. Okay, so I'm, I'm listening at boom, but you never get to sit in on the debriefs. The debriefs are only reserved for the current team and ex Blue Angels. Why? Because there's a there's a sacred space in there. This is not about uh, just you know ratting on somebody there's a sacred space all right so when i was a blue angel when i actually got selected i'm sitting there for the first time and i'm watching the leader of the flight team who's you know like my hero and and what does he or she do they start off with a general statement know, yeah, i'm glad we weren't flying today oh and they looked at the team and said you know what i dropped you off a little bit low you know gucci and 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 it's an inward look for an outward result but anyhow you go through that and then every single person ended their comments with glad to be here and all of a sudden, it started to really sink into me that, yeah, initially, what glad to be here meant when I was a Blue Angel was, hey, I'm grateful to be on the team. You know, I'm grateful to be part of something that's very special. I'm grateful to be surrounded by others who care. I'm grateful to make an impact on people's lives like that little girl. But then it takes on such a deeper meaning to where in my life, glad to be here is the ethos of high performance. Glad to be here is what I want to live my life by, right? I want to to be in a state of joy. I want to be in a state of giving. I want to be in a state of awareness and and appreciate. Like right now, so I'm in my home studio up in Sun Valley. All right, I'm looking out, we just got two and a half feet of snow, okay? I just had an epic powder day yesterday, right? And uh, I'm gonna go out skate skiing right after this and I'm gonna try to appreciate every moment. Get outside breathe. So as hard as we're working, people are listening to this. You got to build in that appreciation time. And then the other thing I do every morning is I do a glad to be here, wake up. I've trained my brain to wake up happy. And, uh, I can teach you that if you want, but you know, it's, it's important to, to have the right mindset.
2: I could use a little bit of happiness in the morning. What What's the, what's the hot tip on that one?
1: Okay. It's not new, but you got to do it. Okay. So all right. It, it turns out that, um, gratitude is one of the biggest, uh, how do I say? It's not a skill. It's one of the biggest gifts we have. Okay. Uh, and we, science has really gotten good at realizing that people who are grateful become happy. It's not the other way around. It's not because you're happy that you become grateful. So, what I've done is I, I just do what I call my glad to be a wake up. And uh, uh, I'll give you the first piece. All right. Everything I do the minute I wake up, is I've trained my brain to say, what am I grateful for in the present moment? So, so, you know, your brain check, I want everybody who's listening to this podcast, uh, check the first conscious thought that hits your brain tomorrow morning. See if it's one of gratefulness or see if it's one of what's my next challenge, what's my next problem, you know, kind of thing, right? So if the point is you can train your brain to, to wake up happy. So I go and I say, which just three things. All right, what am I grateful for in the present moment? So today was easy, I'm home, I've been traveling. I do 100 speeches a year. I work with 150 companies around the world, all right? I'm finally home for the holidays, right? I'm like, great, right? So I'm grateful just to be home. I got my two dogs in bed with me. They're not little, they're Rhodesian Ridgebacks, okay? They are, they, we rescued them. There's 104 pounds, right? And, but I've just said, you know, I'm grateful for this. But then do this, and here's, here's, the, here's the key, go back 24 hours. Go back to yesterday. And, and bring to mind something that was grateful that you were able to experience uh, yesterday. For me, I had a briefing call with a client and we we're talking about how to align high performance teams. They're, they're in the pharmaceutical, they're they're helping people with asthma, it's unbelievable. And I just remembered the briefing call and said, you know, I'm grateful to have that experience. Then, then do this, third piece, go forward in your day. Go forward in your day and think of others, not just yourself. So this morning I thought of you two. And I said, you know, I get the rare privilege to be on a cool podcast. How can I make that um, special for, for somebody? So that's it. It's simple. Just wake up in the morning. Uh, what are you grateful for in the present moment? Go back 24 hours. Go forward in your day. You know, when you first practice in this, you can go back well beyond 24 hours. Go back to the things in your life that make a difference. Right. And it turns out that what that does is, is it changes the grooves in your brain neuroplasticity, right? You'll start to have more grateful start talks. And, uh, by the way, if you want, um, a copy of this, go to the website, it's not only that, but then, then I've learned, uh, how do you, how do you reboot yourself when something knocks you off balance? Cause we all get punched in the face, you know? Um, and then how do you go to bed planting seeds in your brain? So you actually sleep better and happy and wake up happy. So all techniques I've learned, after the blue angels. You know, after I learned how to put it on the line.
2: Well, I love it. Yeah, okay. Well, you and I have something in common. I wake up thinking about David Green too uh, every morning.
0: He's wondering how long he has before his hair falls out when he thinks about me. He's like, "Oh god, yeah. that's where I'm headed. How many more months do I have I look at my hits- pillow? <laughs> yeah, trying to see if it's I look out. at
1: my pillow and I think, "Is today the day?" You got some serious <laughs> hair. David and I, man, that's what do what pulling too many Gs does to you, right?
0: Exactly right. A life of high stress. I wish I could say that, man. And my started falling out when I was like 17 and a half. I was in high school, and people were already pointing out my <laughs> receding hairline. But there's all those like, uh, there's all those quotes like, it's too much testosterone that makes your hair fall out, or a life of stress. I'm like, yeah, those sound definitely bald people made that stuff up. That's funny. So one of the things I was fascinated by with your uh, with your glad to be here debrief. John, I want to cover these briefly was the five steps. Can you go through uh, like the five steps that are involved in the debrief?
1: Yeah, so I call them the dynamics of a glad to be here debrief. And this is different than top Gun. This is different than what happens in the uh, military because those are those are basic, right? Okay, And what I've realized is that, yeah, that's the process. but here's the five steps, all right And anyone who's listening, if you can adopt these, into the way you communicate with your team and even yourself at night, I guarantee you things will happen. So number one, you need a safe environment. And what I mean by a safe environment, it's respect. OK, you got to respect the people you're with who are around. I mean, respect is the number one thing. Second thing is you got to check your ego at the door. OK, this is about humility. Right. So people are investing, uh, you know, hey, if you, if you hit it, great but don't get stuck on your ego. We talked about this, David, a long time ago, right? So I got to say, check you go at the door and, and be humble. It's about the we, not the I, especially in a team environment, all right? The third thing is you got to lay it on the table, okay? And what I mean by that is that you need brutal and open honesty. How many of us are not completely honest with our teammates? You got withholds um, or even your, your, your spouses, right? You got to have honesty, all right? The fourth piece is the accountability piece, but I call this the the own it and fix it mentality. Because I don't want just accountability. What I want is personal responsibility, which leads to ownership mentality. The last piece, the fifth one, is the glad to be here. Even with the first four, that's fine. But unless you add in this this gratefulness and gratitude and appreciation, that's the fuel that keeps you going. That's what gets you up every morning saying... I'm going to crush it today. I'm going to make a difference in someone's life. So that's the most important one. And that's that mindset of gratitude.
0: I love those. You've simplified it uh, to, to restate those. It's the safe environment, which is a form of respect, respect for other people, respect for yourself, respect for safety and the mission. Check your ego, which is humility. We opened up the podcast by talking about how important it was to actually make sure that your ego is not getting out of line because that's, that really is the, the trait that takes all of your best traits and nullifies them doesn't matter how amazing you are at everything. If your ego gets out of hand, it screws up all the other good things you have going for you laid on the table, which is openness. That's the, we're honest with each other. And you called it a sacred space, which is cool. Cause if you call it a safe space, no one knows what that means. Cause safe space could be as very, a charge word. So a sacred space is a place where you can say, Hey, this is an area I screwed up without being judged by them. Cause you're judging yourself and you can tell them, Hey, I think you screwed up. Rob and I actually had a moment like that when we were hanging out in Cabo one night where we talked about the podcast and he gave me some some perspective on the way that I do things and the way that I impact people where he thought not necessarily could be improved, but he want to be aware of how it looks. And because I know that the goal is to make the podcast better, I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm 100% like that. In fact, I'm even worse than that. And we kind of went back and forth. It was a cool like what you were talking about the debrief that makes us better, right? You got to be able to have those conversations if your goal is to be better. If your goal is to protect your ego, then you shy away from that. You don't want to have those conversations. Uh, Next is Own It and Fix It, which is accountability. That is one of my favorite things in the world. This is one of my favorite books in the world, Extreme Ownership. I'm sure you're a fan of that, John, written by Jocko Willink, right? Awesome book, awesome philosophy to live by. Go ahead. No, you nailed it. Jocko's, you know, I, I- Jocko.
1: No, well, Jocko and all the Navy SEALs, I'm good buds with most of them. um, And that's exactly right because they get it, right? And and the same thing uh in the blues, but the same thing in, in investing. So keep going. You nailed it. What was the what was the fifth one though? You you only got the first four.
0: Fifth one is glad to be here. That was gratitude, which is also the one that takes the other four and makes them fun. If you don't have the gratitude, then you're not enjoying life. There's no point of doing the other four. You got to be grateful for what you're doing and it fills you with this energy. And you know what I was thinking about, John? Something I really am impressed by with you. Your fuel is your gratitude, right? I was thinking about my time in law enforcement and as you're talking, I'm like, my brain's going back and experiencing all the freaking (laughs) trauma that was self-imposed. I was always afraid I was gonna forget something uh, I was going to make a mistake. Like, there's a lot of pressure. Like, it could be driving the car and trying to figure out: Am I going northbound or southbound right now? And what street is it that's in front of me? And when my buddy's going, he's coming. Where are we going to intercept? At? It's so much crap is going through your head at the same time you're trying to look at: Is someone going to ride their bike right in front of the car? And like, what are the dispatchers updating me with? And then actually driving the car at the speed you're trying to drive and That That's just one thing. There was, am I going to make a mistake writing a report? Am I going to screw up when I'm trying to test something in the evidence lab? Like there was just constant anxiety that was always present that I know was meant to help me not make mistakes. The problem was if you, if you're fueled by the anxiety of not making a mistake and that's all you have, your life sucks. You don't enjoy the job. You're just trying to not feel pain a hundred percent of the time, but there's no actual reward. You're not getting any pleasure. And I personally think that's why a lot of people get into addiction is they need something to make them feel good because they're just experiencing negativity all the time. And now they know they're not supposed to eat that donut. They know they're not supposed to take that drug. They know they're not supposed to do that stupid thing. But it's so hard not to if that's the only place they get joy. Whereas gratitude is this like cure-all medicine where if you're experiencing enough of that, you're not driven by anxiety. You're not driven by fear. You're not tempted to go do these bad things. And I love that you're sharing that message because gratitude is almost like, the wonder drug, man. Like if you can have that in your life, it will help you overcome all the other vices that tend to take us out.
1: Man, David, you, you got it, brother. And once you understand that and you believe that you can change anything, you know, you, you held up uh, Jocko's book, extreme ownership. Here's another one, fearless success. All right. So I, uh, I wrote this about four years ago. You can get it on Amazon anywhere, go to my website, but see this framework on the back. So Rob, you went back to, well, how do you actually do it? Okay, there's an actual framework to this, right? And you think about strategic management theory will tell you vision, plan, execute, feedback loop. I've taken it to a whole new level. This is about belief levels. What do I believe? How do you get commitment and buy into something? Uh, What's this brief? The brief is that preparation and that focus. Center points that alignment, the clarity on where I'm going. The the trust is the execution through uh, high trust contracts. And then we're talking mostly about this debrief, but it's the glad to be here that resets belief levels. You get the spiraling up process, man. So there's a framework to to what we're talking about. Uh, But at the end of the day, you got to do what David said, man. You got to connect to your gratitude, connect to your heart, start there, and then we can work on these other things.
0: That's awesome. So I want to ask you the last question that I have, Rob may have one, but what stage in your life do you feel you, I don't know, it's hard to describe. There's always this like pivot point to switch where something becomes real to us. Like maybe you've heard this stuff from other people, but- sometimes there's a moment where it just sets, man. Like maybe was it when you were in air traffic control watching other people fly thinking, how did I end up here? Was there a relationship you lost? Was it one of the, you know, 20 times that you tried for something and you didn't get that position and you had to do some soul searching? Was there a catalyst that led to you really grabbing a hold of these values and saying, I'm going to live this way?
1: Yeah. You know, I love that question. There's actually multiple ones that hit my brain real quick. Um, And I'll go to the one, the turning point, right? So the first one, we already talked about a little boy looking up and saying, boy, there's a dream, right? Uh, The second one that hit me was when I played football in college and uh, I fumbled a punt you know, against Georgia Tech. And I'm like, crap, I got to do better than that, right? Uh, flying jets off the carrier and not just the uh, the missile shoot, but, but some scary night landings, okay? But the big one was when I transitioned out of the Blue Angels, out of the Navy, and I had to reinvent myself. And I went back to Stanford Business School. I went, got three master's degrees. I went and worked in venture capital. And um, I realized that that wasn't my sweet spot. I'm not a great uh, VC because I didn't know the environment as much as I knew flying, right? I didn't know that what I really needed to do to make really good investments. Now, real estate, I do know that better. You know, I like we talked about before, I've got seven homes. I'm an LP in many different investments with apartments. We've got multifamily, we've got commercial buildings, we got over 200 units, right? So, but I've learned on how to, to surround myself with other good people, right? But I think the biggest moment was after the internet blew up, okay? I was an entrepreneur, I was trying to start the, um, the NASCAR of aviation when 9-11 happened. I was in Manhattan on 9-11, okay? I was running towards the towers, not away from them, right? seeing if I could help. And my business blew up that day. You're not gonna start an aviation entertainment company like Red Bull finally did without um, without you know after 9-11. And I remember that I was crushed, but what really crushed me was what you just talked about, the relationship. The woman I was dating at the time dumped me. Right, so now I got you know relationship dump, business blown up. What are you going to do? And I went to uh, a seminar on personal growth because I'm always trying to get myself better. And this is the light bulb moment. I'm in the dumps, right? And the person who was talking, his guy name was Lou Tice, great inspirational guy, and he talked about visualization what do we visualize? And he was using a video that I was in when I was on the team. Remember, I talked about the brief where there's some visualization. And he said, hey, we got a guy here that, that really knows about this. You know, He was talking about it from a psychological standpoint. And he, he said, John, would you say a few words? I got up there on that stage and I didn't talk about the science or the psychology. I said, this is how you use it. This is exactly what we were doing. This is what I was thinking. And this is how I use it in my, my everyday life. That was a light bulb moment i get off stage people were running up to me going hey how do you do that you know do you do this and i had a light bulb moment high performance teams high performance people how to turn those into business results i know how to do that and that's been my passion for the last two decades and i had no plan at that time but i had the dream i had the clarity and that's it and so now i get to do this you know hundreds of times a year it's a blessing right
0: and I want to share it with others. Well, that's fantastic, man. I love that. <clears throat> that's the case. Like you and you and Jocko, there's a few other people, like some of the Gracies that do jujitsu. Well, before I get into that, I'll say when you talked, when Rob talked about how he can get 100% better in one day, it totally made me think of jujitsu because I'm a white belt and I don't know anything. So like 100% of the classes I go to, I will learn really good stuff because I know nothing. But I look at some of the brown belts and the black belts in there and it's clear they're just there for us. They rarely get an opportunity to really get better. And there is a, a fact or a pattern to the better you get at something, the harder it is to get good. So more intentional you have to be about putting yourself in the right environments. But the people that have done that, right? You, Jocko Willink, some of the, the the really great martial artists that have committed their life to excellence at something, they've got this gift that they share with the world. Like They figured out the right way to do it is the best way I can describe it. Like They've, they've experimented with all the wrong paths. They know the handful that are the right way. And now they're preaching that message and it is so powerful to hear it because we don't have to make the same mistakes. Like we can hear your story. We can listen to the pain that you talked about. We can hear about the things that worked and we can use that in our own life going forward if we choose to do it. So thank you for doing that, man. Thank you for not just letting your ego get huge because you were one of the best in the world of what you do becoming a blue Angel pilot and you're clearly an amazing communicator and a wealthy individual that's figured out business, but you're actually still trying to throw down the rope from the top of the mountain to help everyone else. So thank you for doing that. The last segment of our show, we are going to skip because you've done so good that we don't need to get into asking you about your favorite books. You've mentioned your book again. Can you, can you show it to us and can you give us the name and tell people where they can find it?
1: Yeah. So fearless success, uh, how to go beyond high performance, uh, you know, obviously the, the best place, go to my website, com because there's a lot of stuff you can get besides the book. You know, we got lots of videos, we got lots of support stuff, um, or go to Amazon, you know, and actually, we just created the uh, the audio uh, version of the book and the ebook. So it's, it's out there. But uh, you know, what you went back to is, I think, critical, David, and that is, at some point in your life, you got to start giving. And what I learned was that, you got to give first, right? So you mentioned Jocko and myself. I mean, we are giving, you know, people ask me, do do you need to fly anymore? You know, the answer is no. You know, that's my past life. If I can use that in a way that helps others, that's what wakes me up in the morning. And uh, we started a foundation, uh, my wife and I, we give ten percent of all our fees to charity, uh, and we we because of that. Uh, I've been over in the Himalayas uh, with my buddy Jeff Taven, the Himalayan Cataract Project. We're doing, he's doing, you know, cornea transplants. He's 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 got a hundred thousand people cured of blindness uh, in an, in the foreign world. We're going over to Africa to do that. We uh, you know, we we help veterans who come back with PTSD. There's over three hundred nonprofits that we're involved in right now, and I think everybody you know, can, can benefit from just giving first. So, you know, hey, start the year off, uh, have your clarity, have your dreams, but start by giving. And that's the seed that allows those to come to fruition.
2: Uh, so the only other thing we will we'll ask you is tell us more about where people can find out about you. I know you said johnfoley.com. Do you have any social media or anything like that where people can, can look you up?
1: So best place is johnfoleyinc.com, okay? But go to any of social media. I'm under John Gucci Foley. LinkedIn's a good one. You know, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Um, I got a podcast, by the way. I'm not at your level. It's called The High Performance Zone. So there's multiple ways to stay engaged, I would say get on our, our, our community, our high-performance community list if you want, if you if this stuff resonates with you. YouTube, so many videos, TED Talk, all that kind of stuff. Website's a good start. Just join the community and uh, above all, let's just give, let's give our knowledge and our wisdom to others. Glad to be here, buddy.
0: Awesome. What about you, Dave? Where can people learn more about you? I hope they do. You can learn about me at David Green24 on all the socials, and that includes YouTube. Also go to DavidGreen24.com to see my website in a couple of weeks. I should actually, when this comes out, I might have a new one up and running. How about you, Rob?
2: Oh, you can find me on YouTube at Rob Built. But uh, I will say my call to action to the audience is if today was inspiring or life-changing or motivating the way it was for, for me and I'm sure Dave too. Consider leaving us a five star review on the Apple podcast platform or wherever you download your podcast. It does help us with the podcast algorithm, believe it or not. And it helps us get served. And our podcast can get in front of so many other
1: people and change their lives too. All
0: right. John, thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to give you the last word if you got anything else you want to say before we let you go.
1: Well, I just want to say thank you. You guys are awesome. Thanks to the audience. Uh, continue to uh, crush it in real estate and other aspects of your life. But uh, above all, you know, Glad to be here. This has been precious. Thank you,
0: guys. Glad to be here. This is David Green for Rob, my Blue Angel Solo signing out.